it's Ryan. The Journal Daily Podcast will be back on Monday, but today we are landing on the moon in our final episode of our To the Moon series. If you missed episodes one through four, you want to go check those out first. You can find them in the journal feed. Last week on the show, a bunch of amateur traders on Reddit banded together to squeeze the hedge funds and Wall Street pros like Bill Gross. At some point, I was down $10 million and it didn't feel very good. There's a better use for $10 million than to give it to the, the GameStop boys and girls. Today, how those boys and girls' lives were changed by the GameStop surge and where they landed. Here's producer Annie Minoff. Anthony Pruny didn't get in at the very top of GameStop, but he admits his timing wasn't great. It was never a good idea. It's always been a terrible idea. Anthony is 28 years old. He's a logistics manager. He heard about GameStop in January from a friend. A good buddy of mine who's actually currently deployed somewhere in Southeast Asia. He just messaged me. He's like, dude, he's like, look at what I've made on GameStop. And so he got in early and he was up probably $45,000. And I was like, you need to sell this and you need to pocket that money. And he was like, no, diamond hands forever. You need to get in on this too. And I was like, oh, it's way too late to get in on this. Anthony laughed his friend off, but he started reading up about GameStop on Wall Street Bets. He watched Keith Gill's Roaring Kitty videos. He learned about the short squeeze. And then... The morning of Thursday, January 28th, Anthony was at the gym. He was half working out, half keeping an eye on GameStop's skyrocketing share price. I would do a set, I would look at it, and I'd say, wow, like, GameStop is surging. It went from $350, it was just straight up. Every five minutes, the updates were just insane. And so I was like, well, you know, I could literally go in, it's going to spike, and I can get out before it hits the top. I can get in real quick. I can double my money. I can get out real quick. And that was the plan. And so I actually bought the shares right before I left the gym. Anthony pulled a YOLO. He bought about $15,000 worth of GameStop on his E-Trade app at $443 a share. What did that amount of money feel like to you? It felt like three years of a 401k match with my previous company and a lot of hard work and value investing and dividend shares and cash back and, you know, really trying to make a difference. It took me a while to save that, but I was confident that it was going to double and then come out. And it looked like Anthony would be right. Within minutes, he was making money. It hit 480 and I was like, oh my God, this is literally happening. I've made thousands of dollars. I'll drive home. I'll be able to sell all of my shares and make thousands of dollars. It's kind of like that Rick and Morty meme, you know, in and out, 20 minutes, what can go wrong? And everything went wrong. By the time Anthony got out of his car about 15 minutes later, GameStop was crashing. And Anthony was losing money. A lot of it. First thing I thought was, you've got to be f***ing kidding me. The GameStop rocket ship was coming back down to Earth. So today, we've got the story of how the GameStop rally fell apart and where it left the investors who'd been along for the ride. You're listening to To The Moon. This is episode five, The Come Down. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with Global X ETFs. 
exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short. Create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Anthony Pruny didn't know it then, but the same morning he made his big GameStop yellow on E-Trade, another brokerage, Robinhood, had done something kind of extraordinary. Robinhood, with minimal explanation, had put in a temporary ban on buying GameStop shares for basically everyone on its platform. If you held GameStop shares, fine. If you wanted to sell GameStop shares, no problem. But you could not buy more. In fact, Robinhood had restrictions in place for a bunch of so-called meme stocks. AMC movie theaters, BlackBerry, Nokia, the headphone maker Koss. In the middle of a spectacular rally, millions of everyday investors suddenly found themselves unable to buy in. And to many Reddit traders, the impact was clear. When Robinhood put that do not buy or you cannot buy, you can only sell limit, the price just crashed. That's Michael Yeoman, the electrician in Oregon, who threw about $50,000 into GameStop. At the stock's height, he was looking at almost $2 million in his brokerage account. He was thinking about retirement. But then? In just a matter of a couple hours, I went from, I think, 1.6 that morning down to like 800. Like, it just dropped. Dan Sanders' account was telling a similar story. Dan invested about $150,000 in GameStop in December. Back in episode one, he'd been dreaming about buying a house. I don't have to buy a $200,000 house. I can buy a $500,000 house. Like, it doesn't matter what it costs. I can just do it. But the morning of January 28th, Dan's account fell from well over $2 million to about $1.5 million. Caught him by surprise. When he heard about Robin Hood's trading restrictions, he hadn't thought much of it. I really didn't think that it was going to have a huge impact, but it did instantly because all of those people could no longer buy and had to sell. I mean, they didn't have to sell, but that's the only button they could click. And, you know, the way the stock market works, buying makes it go up, selling makes it go down. If the only button you can push is sell, it's going to go down, and then people are going to start panicking, and they're going to sell, and that's going to make other people panic. And I think that's what happened. I think everybody panicked. I was crushed. That's Anthony Pruny, the guy who bought GameStop at the gym. I was so upset with myself personally for, you know, falling victim to the emotion and to the, the impulse to buy into this thing that I knew I shouldn't. And honestly, if any of my friends would have said, hey, should I invest in this? I would have told them, no, like, don't invest in this. This is stupid. But, you know, people never take their own advice. So, Were you on Wall Street Bets at the time? Like, as this is tanking, are you checking in? Oh, yes. All day. All I was doing was I was on Wall Street Bets, just looking at the posts, watching the reaction and seeing everybody else. I mean, it was bad. People were very upset with Robin Hood. Remember, Robinhood had launched eight years earlier with a promise to democratize investing, to give everyday people the same access to the markets that wealthy investors had. And a new generation of investors bought into that promise. For years, screenshots of people's Robinhood accounts were a staple on Wall Street bets. 
Now many on the forum felt like Robinhood had sapped GameStop's momentum mid-surge. Felt like a betrayal. And they were angry. Do not let Robinhood off the hook for this. Break them. End them. They'll have to pry those shares from my cold dead hands. Never forget what Robinhood did. Leave them and never look back. Pick the worst f- time to screw their entire user base. People were immediately saying, you know, it's time to move out of Robinhood. We're going to kill this app. Is that how you were feeling too? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm never going to use them again. I hope that company crashes and burns. As people realized that Robinhood had restricted trading, some went looking for other platforms to use, places where you could still buy GameStop and other meme stocks. And some of those traders found an app called Weeble. We just saw the volumes coming in where it's like, hey, something is happening here. Anthony Denier is the CEO of Weeble. When he started work that Thursday, he hadn't heard about Robinhood's ban on buying. But soon he would be very familiar with why that ban happened. What Anthony did notice right away was a flood of new users. Did you know what it was? At first, we didn't know. We started checking social media, and then we kind of figured it out. Okay, I guess it's a lot of customers leaving, you know, leaving our peer coming to us. And we often compete very closely with that peer. Weeble competes pretty directly with Robinhood. Weeble and Robinhood are both mobile-first brokerages. They both pitch themselves to younger users. And Anthony makes no bones about the competition. In fact, in our interview, he jokingly refuses to even say Robinhood's name. Instead, he calls it, quote, our peer, or the green app, after Robinhood's color scheme. Green, it's a lot of green. Robinhood? I didn't say it. On this morning, Anthony realized that Weeble's peer had stumbled. And Weeble was reaping the benefits, at least for a little while. You know, several hours later, we get a phone call from our clearing firm telling us that we have to restrict trading in three specific names, GME, uh, KOSS, and AMC. And so was that a call that you got? Yeah, that was directly to me. That was directly to me. And that was coming from, you know, the the senior management at the clearing firm, because that is a very, very difficult call to make. Weeble's clearing firm, a company called Apex, was asking Anthony to do pretty much the same thing that Robinhood had done just hours earlier. Stop his customers from buying certain stocks. Okay, so clearing firms. When you make a trade on Weeble or on Robinhood for that matter, it feels instant. Like you bought the stock, it's yours. But most trades actually take two days to go through. And this is where clearing firms come in. Clearing firms shepherd your trade through that two-day window. They make sure that the shares you bought get to you and your money gets to the seller. And to make sure all of that happens smoothly, clearing firms put up collateral, basically safety money, to make sure that if anything goes wrong, like the buyer doesn't pay or the seller fails to deliver the shares, everyone still comes out whole. How much safety money the clearing firms need depends on how volatile trading is. And on this particular day, January 28th, trading was super volatile. Millions of GameStop shares were trading hands. The price was shooting up. So clearing firms needed a ton of collateral. Which brings us back to the call that Anthony Denier got from Weeble's clearing firm, Apex. Anthony says Apex was telling him they couldn't afford the safety money, which is why they were asking him to restrict trading in three especially volatile stocks. AMC, Koss, the headphone maker, and of course GameStop. My first response was, you know, 
I mean, I can't, I don't want to curse on this, but you know, absolutely no way. I really, I really PG'd it on that one and very somberly, very calmly. But if you don't, we could have a much bigger problem. We may not be able to settle all shares that your customers are doing today, not just those three stocks. How long does it take you to get from no way am I going to do that to I think I might have to do that? I think I might have to restrict trading. It wasn't a question of I think I may have to. It was I have no choice. So Webull restricted buying. So did E-Trade. So did Interactive Brokers. Other brokerages, like TD Ameritrade and Charles Schwab, also put in less extreme restrictions that week. GameStop's wild volatility and the higher collateral requirements that went with it were wreaking havoc across the brokerage industry, not just at Robinhood. In Webull's case, the restrictions were short-lived. Just a few hours after that call with Apex, Anthony Denier got another happier call. Apex had come up with the money to back Webull's trades. Two hours after Webull's restrictions went into effect, they were lifted. But on Robinhood, the restrictions dragged on for the entire trading day. And while it's tricky to identify cause and effect for anything in the stock market, that day, GameStop kept falling. It ended the day at 190 bucks a share, less than half its value that morning. Dan Sanders felt like he'd been cheated, like the brokerages had suddenly changed the rules. Here I am, a guy who thought he was really smart and, and caught on to something early and was benefiting from it. And, you know, by the rules, playing by the rules, good for me. Um, and then they just changed the rules. <laughs> they changed the rules so that I would lose. And that, I mean, the money hurt, it did, but what really hurt me was that I thought I was playing chess and they started playing Monopoly. I brought up this idea with Anthony Denier, the Weeble CEO. We were playing chess and all of a sudden we were playing Monopoly. How do you respond to that? I think, um, I think a lot of it has to do with the educational process. Apps do make it extremely simple to move money to a friend, to buy a stock in the market. Everything seems to be instantaneous and everything seems to be like at your fingertips. And when events like this happen, the curtain gets removed and you get to see all the mechanics behind it. And it looks messy sometimes. It does. And I think that's a big disappointment for a lot of people. Well, and did they have a point too? I mean, what happened on that day, on the 28th, wasn't normal. Like the rules kind of did change. It wasn't just a, a matter of education, kind of understand what happens, you know, on the days when it's working. That day it broke. It did break. The system did break and the system is definitely fallible. In terms of the, the game changed, you know, brokerages like Weeble, we're beholden to players in the system. And if players in the system say, well, you need to produce this much capital or, you know, th there are restrictions that we have to deal with. So, so the rules also get changed for us, too. Anthony also said that without trading restrictions, he believes the market could have entered a tailspin. Clearing firms may not have been able to settle millions of trades. We should also note that Weeble's clearing firm, Apex, declined to comment for this episode. As for Robinhood, the company said its trading restrictions were necessary to meet its regulatory obligations. And the company's CEO penned an editorial the week after the restriction, saying, quote, We stand with everyday investors participating in markets and showing the world that investing is for everyone, and we take our responsibility to all of them seriously. 
What brokerages did on January 28th and why they did it would be debated for days and weeks to come. But on Wall Street Bets that Thursday, GameStop investors had a more immediate problem. GameStop's share price had tanked. Would they sell or hold? According to Michael Yeoman, the answer was obvious. When it dipped down, DFV's still in, I'm still in. So that's kind of what the mantra became. DFV, deep effing value, otherwise known as Keith Gill. The Wall Street Bets user who'd kicked off the GameStop firestorm was down $14 million that day, according to his latest screenshot. But he was still holding. Everyone started looking to DFV and his daily YOLO post and be like, is he still in? He's still in, I'm still in. Nope, he hasn't steered us wrong yet. Diamond hands boys, he's still in. If DFV can lose 14 million and still hold, so can you. The king has spoken. Hold. If he's still in, I'm still in. If he's still in, I'm still in. If he's still in, I'm still in. Here's Anthony Pruny, the guy from the gym. It was refreshing to go on Wall Street Bets and say, you know, I'm not selling, you're not selling. There was that whole, that group, you know, it became groupthink at that point. It was, I'm not selling, you're not selling, there's no reason for the price to tank, you know. If we really believe that the price should be this, nothing has changed other than the fact that they turned off trading, but the stock should still be that value. And if you don't sell, and I don't sell, and no one sells, nothing happens to the price. Does that feel like... It, it's it, it's almost like a prisoner's dilemma in a way. Like no one no one can sell. the o- The only way forward is to is to hold. But then, what's the end game? Right, and so that's exactly what it became. It was, you know, how much do I trust a bunch of people on the internet who I don't know, other than their usernames on Reddit? You know, they're all saying I'm not going to sell because I'm going to hold this with diamond hands until I die. Really. I don't know, but I would rather trust this group of idiot strangers on the internet than the investment analysts and the big banks. And the very next day, those strangers on the internet seemed to come through. So major new developments this morning in the roller coaster on Wall Street. GameStop's stock plunged more than 40% yesterday, but this morning, shares are up nearly 100% in pre-market trading. Why? Well, GameStop rebounded. By that Friday, many brokerages had dropped their trading restrictions. Robinhood was allowing limited purchases of GameStop again. The pent-up demand helped shoot the stock back up. And over the weekend, enthusiasm for GameStop hit a fever pitch. I don't know if you've seen this, but here's a billboard you can take a look at in Times Square right now, 54th and Broadway. One Wall Street Bets user paid for a GameStop billboard in Times Square. Shows you uh, GameStop go burr, which means bidding up the stock, printing money, GameStop. Let's send it to the moon, baby. Others followed suit. Along highways across the country, billboards cropped up, flashing messages like, we're not selling, keep holding, GameStop to the moon. But all that hype didn't keep the stock price up. The rebound didn't last. Remember GameStop? Yeah, that was so last week. Because at least By the following week, GameStop was falling again. Shares getting crushed this morning, down about 58%, along with several other meme stocks. Let's get the board up and have a look. GameStop, AMC, negative, negative. These stocks are cratering this morning. And this time, it didn't look like it was going to come back up. Coming up, 
where the GameStop astronauts landed. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight. Live tomorrow. Shop now at Natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. Just one week after traders on Reddit drove the stock to the moon, GameStop shares plunged down 31%. When it went down to, what was it? I think it stopped at $100 for a little bit, and it stayed there for a couple days before starting to slip back down. I think that's when it started to hit me. Now, like, the weight of had a million dollars, don't have a million dollars, that's when it's all starting to press on me, and I'm just like... <sighs> Shoot. When GameStop was near its peak, Michael Yeoman had been calculating how much he needed to retire. Four million dollars. And that seemed doable. He was already at 1.8 million. But that was before GameStop fell and stayed down. Michael's account dipped below a million and kept falling. Is it like a physical feeling? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there was something, like, deep in the chest. Like, the chest is tightening. You can't breathe very well, and you're just, like, like you're trying to focus on other things, and all you can think about is, like, stupid, stupid, stupid. Like, oh, it's, it was such a self-defeating feeling. And so that's where I was like, okay, now I really need to start thinking about, like, how much do I believe in this, and, and where is my stop going to be? Michael decided he'd be happy to get out with $300,000. That would be his stop. So it needed to come down to about $60, and that was uh, $300,000, and that's where I got out. So my story is still a story of success, if not, um, you know, flying a little bit too close to the sun there and getting burned for it. Uh, I, I'm one of the lucky ones. I got in early enough. I rode the roller coaster of emotions that was that squeeze, and uh, I did end up with a profit, and that makes me incredibly, incredibly fortunate. I mean, I came out of this ahead a significant amount. I made a lot of money on this, but I also lost a lot of money. That's Dan Sanders. At GameStop's peak, he'd been up more than $2 million. He got out with about 500000 And when we talked a few months ago, he was still sorting through his feelings about it. Can I be upset with half a million dollars? <laughs> Did you ever think you'd say that sentence? <laughs> no. So it's kind of emotionally difficult because, like, I feel happy. I did a good thing. I set myself free. I'm my own boss. Also, I'm an idiot. I lost a million and a half dollars. It's a whipsaw of emotions. It really is. 
Was there a moment when you kind of thought, like, that house that you were thinking about, that that's not going to happen anymore? Yeah, I'm still there. I shouldn't say that it's not going to happen anymore. It's going to happen someday. It's just not going to happen as quickly as it could have happened. For amateur traders, the first wave of the GameStop saga had been a mixed bag. Those who'd gotten in early had won fortunes, or won them and lost them. Others who'd gotten in at the top were hurting. But what about the other players in this drama? The brokerages, like Robinhood, or the hedge funds Wall Street Bets had put in the crosshairs? Where had they landed? By this point, GameStop had gotten so big, even Congress wanted to know. In February, the House Financial Services Committee called a hearing to sort through some of these questions. Here's the committee's chairwoman, Maxine Waters. So, this hearing is entitled Game Stopped. Who wins and loses when short sellers, social media, and retail investors collide? I now recognize... Assembled virtually to testify were some of the key players in the GameStop saga, including Robinhood's CEO, Vlad Tenev. When Robinhood and other brokerages had slammed the brakes on trading in January, some House members had been alarmed. And in this hearing, Tenev was in the hot seat. You admitted to making mistakes. Specifically, what mistakes did you make? I, I, I admit to always improving and... Uh, During the hearing, Tenev explained that Robinhood had raised over $3 billion to help guard against what happened in January ever happening again. He also apologized to Robinhood's users. Despite the unprecedented market conditions in January, at the end of the day, what happened is unacceptable to us. To our customers, I'm sorry and I apologize. Please know that But all in all, Robinhood was one of GameStop's winners. During the meme stock surge, millions of people downloaded Robinhood's app. The company's revenue surged. And this summer, Robinhood plans to go public. People familiar with the company's plans say it could be valued at $40 billion, possibly more. As for the hedge funds who'd been targeted in this squeeze, they were represented in this hearing by Melvin Capital. You might remember Melvin from the 300 meme in the last episode. Here's Melvin's founder, Gabe Plotkin, in his opening statement. When this frenzy began, Melvin started closing out its position in GameStop at a loss. Not because our investment thesis had changed, but because something unprecedented was happening. We also As GameStop and other shorted stocks surged, Melvin's investors lost money. By the end of January, the hedge fund's portfolio was down more than $6 billion, a staggering drop. I'm personally humbled by what happened in January. Investors in Melvin suffered significant losses. It is now our job to earn it back. A loss like that could end a hedge fund. But Melvin would fight on, with the help of a nearly $3 billion investment from two other hedge funds. It's also worth pointing out that not every Wall Street firm got creamed in the meme stock run-up. Some, like Sunvest Management, Permit Capital, and Plastic Management, made a killing, and there are almost certainly other winners that we don't know about. Bill Gross didn't do too badly either. In the last episode, Bill, the former bond fund manager, said he was down about $10 million. But as GameStop's share price nosedived, Bill estimates he came away with a sweet $10 million gain. How did that feel? <laughs> well, it felt, it felt good. 
It was an experience. It's like the first time you drove your car or the um, first time you went down the ski slope. Or, you know, this was, this was something that... Uh, a thrill. A thrill, and it may never come again. So that's where Wall Street landed. But there was also one last person at this congressional hearing worth mentioning. Mr. Gill, you are now recognized for five minutes. Keith Gill, deep effing value. Thank you, Chairwoman Waters, Ranking Member McHenry, members of the committee. I'm happy to discuss with the committee my purchases of GameStop shares and my discussions of their fair value on social media. Keith Gill testified from the same basement room where he taped his YouTube videos. He's in a full suit and tie for the occasion, but behind him you can see his trademark Rambo bandana hanging from the back wall. Around the same time as his testimony, Gill posted a new screenshot to Wall Street Bets. It showed him sitting on $17 million in his brokerage account. It also showed that he'd bought 50,000 new shares of GameStop. As for me, I like the stock. I'm as bullish as I've ever been on a potential turnaround for GameStop, and I remain invested in the company. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. For Congress, this hearing was supposed to take stock of a moment that had passed. GameStop was over. But for DFB, it wasn't over at all. He was still holding. A lot of people were. It's one reason meme stocks keep coming back. GameStop having a surge here in the final hour of trade up, I think it was up more than 30%. It's starting again. Never a dull moment I'm for sure, GME. I'm not sure I can take it again. Just, just maybe just for a day or two, happy for it to happen, but, but don't let snowball. Over the past few months, GameStop and other meme stocks have surged back up repeatedly. From a low of about 40 bucks a share, GameStop's bounced back to 200, even 300 bucks a share. And just in the past two weeks, AMC has catapulted past its January highs, quadrupling in price in just a few days. AMC and GameStop, look at them now. Look at them go again. And every time one of these stocks surges, the reaction is, seriously, again? But after months going down the GameStop rabbit hole, this makes total sense. Of course, it's happening again. When I started reporting this series, I also thought about GameStop as something that was over and done. But I was wrong. Because to a person, the traders that I spoke with for this story, they were still in, each in their own way. Take Anthony Pruny, the guy from the gym. When GameStop bottomed out in February, he was down more than $10,000 on his GameStop bet. But he didn't give up on the stock. Anthony bought more. Now, as the stock has surged back, He's had a few opportunities to cash out at a profit, but he hasn't. I could have sold. I could have taken all my money. I could have had a modest several thousand dollar gain and left. But I don't have paper hands. Watching everyone hold and have that price come back up, I don't know. It's, you've become part of the group. Nobody let me down. I'm not going to sell. And even Dan and Michael haven't given up on the market. They're out of GameStop, but they're still trading. After Michael sold his GameStop shares, he took about $100,000 of his winnings and plowed it right back into the market. At the beginning of all of this was the desire to not have to do hard manual labor into my old age. Marines were not kind to my body. 
construction's not kind to my body. I, I, I gotta figure out something at some point in the future on how to make money. This, this little bit of extra money has definitely opened the way to uh, start trying to use stocks as a, a way to make a living. And that's, that's going to be my, uh, uh, gonna be my goal in the near future to start seeing if I can make a consistent income on that. As for Dan, he's trading full time. He hasn't gone back to his job. One of the things that I've been whining about for years is that I don't feel a sense of purpose. You know, I do a job to pay my bills, to go home, to watch Netflix, to go back to work, you know, like everybody, we're all in that stupid loop. But the thing is, if you would have told me, Dan, you can do whatever you want, just magic wand, what would you do? And I didn't have an answer. I've never had like a thing that would make me happier, give me passion. And I found that, and it's not just making me money, it's educating other people, you know, it's teaching them how to do it. But it is the money, it is the freedom, and it's the research and the the being early to a thing that other people will eventually be like, man, I wish I could have bought that when it was at that price, even though they could have. They just didn't see it. Last January, a lot of amateur traders saw something that Wall Street didn't see. It wasn't just the opportunity for a short squeeze. They saw a chance for a bunch of individual traders to find strength in numbers and send a stock to the moon. And now that they've found that power, they're not going anywhere. My big money plays today. Cleveland Cliffs and Wish to the Moon. Freaking $100,000 YOLO on Inibus Technologies. No turning back. Bought the Callaway dip. All red today but still holding Blackberry. They can't break us. Clover Health short squeeze is probably about to start. Clean Energy Fuels Corporation to the moon. Wish $100,000 YOLO on margin with my students. See boys in oblivion. It begins at noon today. This is the way. To the Moon is part of The Journal podcast, which is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thank you to the entire Journal crew for their support. I've been your host, Annie Minoff. Our producers on this series were Josh Sanburn and Chris Neary. Our associate producer was Willa Rubin. We were edited this week by Katherine Brewer, Gerard Cole, Ryan Knudsen, Kate Leinbaugh, and Annie Rose Strasser, with help from Marie Baudet, Colin Campbell, Charles Farrell, Pia Gadkari, Anthony Galloway, Ricky Novetsky, Sarah Platt, Lydia Polgreen, Lauren Pollock, and Matthew Sherman. Special thanks to Juliet Chung, Caitlin McCabe, and Peter Rudiger for their reporting. Our engineer was Griffin Tanner. So Wiley composed our awesome theme remix for this series. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Bobby Lord, Audio Network, and Blue Dot Sessions. Show art by Emil Lendoff. Fact-checking and research by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. You can listen to the entire To the Moon series in our feed or in one easy-to-find playlist at gimlet.media slash to the moon. The Journal Daily Podcast will be back on Monday. Monday.